What is up, guys? Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. What I'm going to be doing with this show is actually showing you guys what exactly you need to look for prior to buying, building, selling, or even renting a home. I'm going to bring in some of the top people in the industry so we can dive deeper into discussion about these topics and really give you guys the tools you need to learn and know prior to making one of the biggest purchases of your lifetime. So with that being said, guys, welcome to The Real Build. So welcome to The Real Build. I am your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. And today I have a special guest coming from Oregon City, Oregon. Growing up in the Portland area, he was the son of an HVAC contractor who became a builder. He got out of the Army at age 21 and started working on on construction sites, doing odd and end jobs, cleanup, framing, siding, whatever he could do to learn. Just a few short months later, he started managing the developing and building of his first subdivision. After developing hundreds of lots, building hundreds of homes, and completing countless remodeling jobs and other people for other people, he decided he wanted to do it do it all on his own. A few a few years ago, just after starting Anlon Construction, he met his wife, who helped him realize that business is about so much more than money. It is about the experience and the relationships you create along the way. He is also a fellow Arte Syndicate member, Mike Harn. Welcome to Real Build. Happy to have you on. How's it going? Thank you so much. That is uh, one heck of an introduction. Thank you so much. I'm already blushing. Yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on. I'm excited. Me and you had a conversation recently and, and uh, you know, me and you started getting pretty deep in the building world and I'm excited to actually talk some construction with you, talk about your experiences in the business, how we can better ourselves in it. And that's what this show is all about, how we can better serve the customer. And that's what your intro actually just said too. So So what I like to get started with, with everybody is just talk about who you are, your background. So who is Mike Harn? You know, I mean, I I grew up in Oregon. Uh, I've lived here my whole life with the exception of when I was in the Army in the 82nd Airborne Division uh, back in North Carolina. You know, my dad, kind of as you said in the intro, was an HVAC contractor growing up. My uncle was a roofer, so kind of, you know, been in construction my whole life. My dad eventually became a building inspector, which, you know, all dads like to show off their kids. And he did that by making me memorize building codes. So uh, I would be able to share whatever, uh, whatever code was going on. And then kind of like you said, when I got out of the service, I had lied to everybody, said I was ready to go to college, um, kind of started out on job sites doing whatever. My dad at the time had left the city of Portland as an inspector as kind of a equity partner um, with a couple of builders. And, and one of them just, you know, kind of got to know me, said he's got a natural leadership skill and uh so in 1997, with a with a pager and a roll of quarters and a yellow notepad, uh, they handed me my first little subdivision. So, rest as they say, I guess is history. Yeah, no, I, and that's why I'm talking to you too. I mean, similar background. I grew up in the business, I, and I've had quite a few guys, guys and and girls on the show that kind of grew up in the construction field in some way, some shape or form. And I mean, it kind of led them on this path. And I've said this in the past too, you know, it was a love hate thing with me, you know, growing up on job sites, being the kind of the cleanup guy, digging the ditches, so on. You hated it. 
But then also you learn to love it because being around it and being around the experiences and subcontractors and learning it and seeing it on a daily basis has made you better at it, I'm sure. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, you know, the other thing that it did for me was I really, from a young age, recognized how important everyone on the team is. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, of course, as a kid, I wanted to believe I was more valuable than I was, but I certainly did realize the value of a clean job site, the value of a safe job site, which was really my job as a young kid. And, mm -hmm. and it's really kind of now we've been building for, you know, 27 years. Gosh, I'm old. But uh, <laughs> for 27 years, you, you realize that. You realize that, you know, there's no member of the team that doesn't bring a huge value. No, you're spot on with that too. And then going back to the value of a clean job site. I mean, I, I remember just having the sweep. I'm having to always take a shop back or whatever it was and clean the floors and, and how that was instilled and, and implemented in, into my head that now, you know, every time I, I'm on a job site or, or I see any kind of trash, I always pick something up. You know, I'm always making sure we're, ours are clean because I go by other builders too. And, you know, so you see, it's like a bomb went off and, and it yeah. does, it does. I've had customers even tell me, they go, you keep your job sites so clean, you know, me and yeah, my brother. And I'm like, that's what we're all about. It's a whole different. Well, it's a reflection of the pride that you have in what you do. I mm -hmm. think that, you know, and I would imagine for you, similar to us, that, when your subcontractors see how important it is to you, it just kind of naturally happens. You know, a clean job site stays clean. A dirty mm -hmm. job site inevitably will just That's get true. dirtier and dirtier. And so, you know, it's funny. I've got four and six-year-old daughters and, and they come out and clean up the job with me, you know, and just because they understand how important it is, you know, and, and what they have learned is they go up to everybody on the job site because, you know, everybody loves to see them. And they're like, hey, are you on daddy's team? You know, so from a very young age, they're recognizing that, uh, you know, we can't do it without a whole team. And so everybody has their uh, unique jobs, but the level of value doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and every person within even in-house or even subcontracted has to be a part of that team, like you said, and especially in custom homes, because every part is a piece to the puzzle in construction especially in doing larger homes and so on you want every one little thing is thrown off the whole thing you know it, it can mess up a lot of different things and that's what i love about this business too is you always have there's always something you have to figure out you know there's always a challenge too that you're going to have to overcome and talk to the client and make sure the client's okay too i just had one today uh, we have something called impervious rule here where you got to have a certain amount of greenery and then they can only allow a certain amount of pavers for a driveway. Well, we're getting ready to put pavers down and the driveway was too big because our paver guy who doesn't really look at the impervious rules or the plan said, oh, you'll be fine, this and that. No, we're not going to be fine. So it's it's a lot of figuring out, okay, how can I give and take with the customer? How can I explain this to him so that he doesn't flip out because he wants this driveway a certain way? You know, what can I do to make the situation better? And I'm sure you deal with that every single day as well. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's every day, right? We're fighting yeah. that, that fire. I think, you know, for us, it starts from the very first meeting that we have with a client, you know, and, and I tell them it, it's a ridiculously intimate relationship you know we're going to uh to be I, I in fact say to them like our first meeting is like a coffee date right it's a chance to see if we 
interact well enough to reasonably go on a date, right? And then we mm -hmm. begin talking about the house. The initial conversation is about the interaction, what they can expect from us as a company, what we can expect from them as a client, you know, and then we, we go to eventually dating, right? We're drawing the plans, we're going through all that. And eventually you get married when you're in that process to, to build and, and, you know, you're warranting the house and you're making sure. And, you know, I tell people that, you know, the, the money that you're spending you know, the vast majority of builders are, are working on some sort of a margin. And that isn't, that's not the largest uh, change in what's happening. It's the overall experience at the end. And, you know, that's the conversation I have with our company consistently when we're talking about our mission is the experience that we want to give people, you know. Yes, I believe from a building science standpoint, we build an amazing house. But more important than that is ensuring that the experience that the client is having is is one that they're going to be excited about and share with their friends because that's how we're able to continue to build. Yeah, and and with this podcast too, like me, like I talked to you prior, I I wanted this to be more of an open conversation, and it's obviously turning into that too. But you just you hit on something big time right there is experience and customer experience because there's a lot of people out there that are price driven. Uh, you know, they're going to come to you and say, okay, let's, what's the worst question for a custom builder is what, what's your cost per square foot? Mm -hmm. And it's hard to answer. And I, and I always tell how I started out is I say, I hate to tell you this, but you know, if it depends on home size, it depends, there's a lot of variables in that ceiling details. Like what are you, what do you want? You know, there's builders that give that standard package, but are they our people, and I dealt with it once again today. Uh, today was a long day, let's put it that way. But I dealt with it with another customer where um, she actually said, she goes, well, I can get a, there you got a fully loaded house with this, uh, you know, and I can get it at this price, you know, so we're very interested in that. I go, well, what's a fully, a fully loaded house consist of? You know, because I can have A, they can have B, you know, and they could be missing C. So it's just, there's a lot of things in that and what you said that it's it's just, there's so many variables too in the experience. Well, that's that's what's important, right? I mean, the, the challenge that we get, the most difficult question, of course, is what's a house cost per square foot? And, you know, I always say we don't, we don't buy cars by the pound, just like we don't, uh, we, we don't buy houses by the square foot. You know, if we did, we'd all have little light sports cars because they'd be the cheapest <laughs> things on the market. But, you know, I think that that's where from the very initial meeting and the initial conversations, you know, we're trying to make sure they understand that value proposition. And, and because of that, you know, we've put together some things that we do as a standard in all of our houses. Because when someone says, why should we work with builder A as opposed to builder B, the challenge is you're never really looking at apples to apples. What you guys choose to put in your house regardless has a value and some other builder may do that differently. So we've gone as far as creating on our website kind of our advantages of what we do. And the hope is that when people are having that initial conversation with another builder, they can ask them, hey, is this what you include? Mm -hmm. um, because when I want the industry to be as successful as possible. So I don't want to be slagging on another builder. Mm -hmm. I think the desire is to focus on what we do well and focus on how important each client is to us. And then, then allow the chips to fall where they may. 
Yeah, I, I highly agree with you too with the, everything you just said. Because I mean, when you get into bashing other builders and stuff, it just makes you look bad yourself personally. But you have to, and that's what I also do too. When I have that conversation, I try and deliver, you know, what we are all about. Okay, is a customer experience? Let's focus on that. Why are we better? experience-wise than the other guy that's been there for 25 years. You know, what makes us better? And you really want to focus on that and get into detail. One of the differences between us and other builders is other builders usually have a salesperson, sales reps, realtor inside. Uh, I'm personally dealing with our our stuff too. And people... People like that because I'm going to be more passionate about the product product than the other person. You know, it's not just about a commission or a paycheck to me. It's about selling our product, delivering a better quality experience. I actually just hired, and I've said this before, I actually just hired a full-time customer service guy. He's handling all our warranty, all our customer service. If you need, you know, something, you need a plumber five years down the line, I want you to call our office. You know, always have that person in-house that they can go to. And that's part of that long-term experience factor as a builder too, to take care of our customers. So it's, it's experience is the biggest thing. Like you said, it's one of the biggest factors too. And that's why I definitely wanted to get into it more with you because I mean, how, what other ways can you, you deliver a better experience to customers? What have you done to yeah, I, I think for us, you know, we we consistently communicate. So we're in in those initial meetings, finding out how people like to communicate. Is it Zoom like this? Is it face to face? Is it phone, text, email? Everybody's different. And then, you know, so we're establishing a a cadence to exactly how often we're going to communicate. And then the second thing that we're doing is a just a huge level of transparency. So we, we work with interior designers from the beginning. Kind of I, what I tell people is, you know, there's 6,000 decisions that go into your house. I absolutely need you for like 10 of them. But you can be involved in as many as you want. You know, if you're a person who, you know, is incredibly involved, you know, we've built for some retired couples that are there every day. Um, and then we built for a family that literally we, we poured their foundation. They were out of the country. They came back and the house was done. We'd done everything through FaceTime. Um, again, it's establishing, you know, the expect, expectation on both sides and then being able to make sure that we're communicating clearly. We're incredibly transparent with what we're doing for us. All builders do it differently, but our profit and overhead is a line item in the budget. They're seeing that. If we're mm-hmm. building a house spec for sale, of course, the market is establishing the value, but the majority of what we're building right now is for a client. And so because of that, there isn't a question of what we're making. It's not, There's no backdoor deals. I think that, you know, our job is is not only to represent ourselves as good as we can, but to represent our industry. Because I think there's a lot of people that are just afraid they're going to be taken advantage of. And so the more transparent we can be, the more we can communicate, I think the better, better it is. What you just said there too, as far as represent the industry though, too, because I mean, there is a lot of builders or building in general, I should say that there's a lot of people hesitant to do it. They're afraid. I mean, especially since 
uh, you know, the last when the market crashed and everything too, a lot of people got taken advantage of since. And and I've seen it too. And I'm sure you have in your, your area where builders come and go, come and go, uh, you know, they offer that low price, that low, low price. They offer incentives to realtors to bring them customers. And then they're building 25 houses at a, at a time and robbing Mm -hmm. Peter paying Paul to keep, keep making ends meet then once right when something slows down or a problem happens well what happens you know they're usually they're gone so you know getting past that getting people past that too and getting them past that price mentality too i mean it it, a lot of people get hurt in this business you know in the process of this business and that's the unfortunate thing about it because they go that cheap route right now is it a life lesson learned for a lot of them. Yes. But then there's a lot of them too, that'll still go back to that route, you know? And, and I've seen it firsthand where it's just so price driven and, and that number stuck in their head too, you know? So let's talk, how do you get them past that? I know with trying to deliver the best experience and so on, let's dig deeper into that. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think that there's, there's a lot of it kind of like you, we get asked the same question, what's Mm -hmm. it going to cost? And, and like you, we're not trying to dodge it, but there's, you know, there's so many variables that go into it. And even when we start that conversation, you know, you can tell them it's going to between X and Y, they're only going to remember X, right? They're only going to remember the number that they want. So first of all, if we give a number, we need to have a pretty good idea that that's where we're going to be. And that number isn't by the square foot, you know, kitchens and bathrooms are the most expensive rooms in the house, followed closely now by outdoor living. Um, you know, so so saying, hey, we're going to shrink the house by 100 square feet in the great room, you know, that's not that's not doing it. And so trying to educate them on how we're coming up with the numbers is just as important. You know, we are blessed enough right now to not necessarily be in a competitive situation with other builders. You know, if we're the first person they meet nine times out of 10, they're not going to go somewhere else. Um and that's just because, you know, we've done a lot to market what we do. We do it, you know, we, you know, one of the, the requirements I have of our clients is that we can have two potential clients uh, meet with you, talk with you about the experience without us being there. So we want to make sure that they understand I, we're not we're not telling them what to say. They can, you know, those people, if they had a poor experience or if they didn't enjoy it, they're going to tell you. But one of the other things we ask them to do is ask those clients, what are the choices that they made in their house that they are really, really happy with? And then what are the choices that they wish they would have made? You know, because Mm -hmm. inevitably, we always have something. I mean, I'm sitting in my own house right now. There are things I wish I would have done different. You know, in the grand scheme of things, I made a short-term decision to save a little bit of money. And no one else walks into my house and says, I can't believe you did this, but I can. And so the goal is to help them understand the reason for the decisions. You know, the vast majority of people are making it based on what they can see. You know, it's always, I want to upgrade this stone or this tile or whatever. And what we're trying to do is help them understand the livability of the house. The majority of the things that we're wanting to make sure are right in the house are behind the walls. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, we're trying to do podcasts like this. We're trying to have conversations where people can understand that not only, you know, we're not cheering against other builders. 
I believe if we do our job right, there's opportunity for everyone. Yeah. The, the challenge is when, you know, we're, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, we've had two houses that we're currently building right now that another builder started, you know, mm. very early in the process, this, this builder, you know, that the clients believed they were, you know, not their money and their experience wasn't being taken care of. So they've come to us to finish them. You know, we're having to rebuild that trust, uh, even though we weren't the ones who lost it. And I wouldn't normally want to have done this, but I was so disappointed in how it had been handled by someone else that I just didn't want the industry to get a black eye. You know, mm -hmm. we, we have enough people not doing it well. That's why our subcontractor team is important. Our average sub's been with us over eight years. You know, they know what to expect from us. We know what to expect from them. And, you know, part of the challenge with the guys that are doing it only by dollars is what else are they missing? You know, mm -hmm. we're able to hit a schedule from the day we start it because everyone knows exactly what we expect. We don't worry about a job site being clean. Those expectations have been clear. You know, we have uh, quarterly meetings with all of our subcontractors. They've now all gotten to know each other. So one, it makes our project manager's job slightly easier because heck, if the plumber's running a couple of days, well, it better not be a couple of days, but a day late, uh, he's going to be communicating with the HVAC contractor or, or however that's going to go. And so again, transparency and communication flow through every bit of our business. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing too, you said, I mean, as far as subcontractors and having everybody on the same page and communication with them and, and maintaining the same subs, subcontractors as well, you know, I, we're, we're in the same boat. We have a lot of the same subs that we're loyal to. Obviously we watch, you know, their bidding and everything too, because obviously some of them may, when things get busier and times get better, you know, sure. the prices you got to watch the prices and they might tick up a little bit, but even, even with us, we're doing a ton of cost plus and, and going into this to cover the customer. You know, I just recently did it with my painter. Uh, he does amazing work and so on. His price was, I look, I was looking at his prices. They were kind of ticking up a little bit. And I said, Hey, can you look at this? It seems to be a little bit too high compared mm -hmm. to this other house B over here. So what's going on here? You know, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, you, I'm not trying to kill you with making money because obviously right. you're in the business to make money too, but come on. And they look at it and they'll, they'll adjust accordingly, you know, which benefits the customer mm -hmm. as well. And us being a cost plus builder, do we have to do that? No, it's cost yes. plus, but in favor of our customers and to keep them happy too and getting, and this customer doesn't even, it doesn't even know I did this yet, but he's yeah. going to see the bill of, because I usually give him a spreadsheet ahead of hand of what stuff was. He's going to yeah. see a lower paint price and he's like, well, what happened here? You know, yeah. no, we took care of you. So that's part of that experience though, that's exactly what you're talking about mm -hmm. is that'll be the things that they're remembering what you do that you don't have to do or just doing the right thing strictly because it's the right yeah. thing is what comes through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, uh, definitely. Be even like punch outs too. And I go deep into this is, you know, doing two rounds or three rounds of punch outs in a house and every little thing that you see, making sure it's right for that customer, no matter what, uh, once again, today, like I said, no, <laughs> <had a> situation. <laughs> today's been a day, but I'm still here doing this. 
I had a situation with a, with a, we're closing on a house on Friday and we're going to do our final walkthrough with the customer on Friday. Well, we have a washer and dryer. Uh, the dryers that we've usually used are the washers we've usually used. You can switch the door open. Uh, so a door swings a certain way. Well, th- this customer went with an LG and you can't switch the door opening. So now we have a problem because the doors are opening obviously the same direction and you got to unload and put, it's a little thing that somebody wouldn't think about, but we thought of it like, okay, she's going to be pulling or he's going to be pulling the wash out and putting it over another door. So how can we take care of this? So now we're in a point where how can we make them happy? And I haven't mm-hmm. even spoke to them. Well, I, ha- I can get them another washer and dryer, a different brand that we can do that. Or I can rip out all the drywall, uh, run the plumbing a different way, sure. uh, which, you know, it's just there's so many things that I need to do to make them happy, which that's what we're going to do. And we're going to solve the problem yeah. that some builders, unfortunately, would say it is what it is. You know, well, I think that's one of the things, you know, I'm sure you guys deal with this. There are builders that will say, well, that's industry standard. Yeah, I, I don't I don't uh, pay attention to what the industry standard is. The standard is very simple. The customer's happy. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and I would even say, you know, I'd love to say within reason, you know, but there are certainly times when we have gone further than we should. I would rather err on that side than the other. You know, I mean, we certainly make mistakes. We certainly, um, all of those things, but that the driver is that experience consistently and being able to say, you know, we did the right thing. And that's to me, non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the problem though, is a lot of people, the industry standard would say, yeah, you know, kind of is what it is, you know, we'll make it as best as we can. And and then we'll go from there. And some customers will accept that some will not say anything about it, but it all reflects on you in the end and the long term, and, and, you know, your referral factor. And there's so many other elements to that as well, that yeah. just doing it right and taking care of them. And I get asked questions every day, the driveway today, the you know, the washer and dryer today, you know, it's every single day something different that, mm-hmm. okay, how can I solve this problem? Or do I need to call the customer to work with the customer and have them work with me, you yeah. know, without saying, well, tough luck, you know? Right. So it's, it's, there's so many variables into that, which that's what you got to love about this business, right? <laughs> it's different every day. Yeah, I was having this, we have a staff meeting every Wednesday. And so that was the conversation this morning was that, you know, with my project managers, we were talking probably 40% of their day is reactionary. You know, um, certainly, you know, they're, they haven't, they know what's happening. Our schedules are all laid out, but things come up. They just do, especially on customs. You know, we're not necessarily dealing with the exact same stuff on every house, you know, and that's part of the fun, you know. I mean, having built as many houses as we have, it's not often we get to do something completely new. Uh, so when we do, we, we love that challenge. And that's what's interesting when you have to actually think through how we're going to build it. Mm-hmm. Well, what, do you, what are you doing, let's say, if you 
get backlogged or if you have a schedule issue, how are you handling a situation like that? What, you know, if say your, your plumber can't show up and, and you're on, you're, you're on a time crunch for the plumbing or getting the fixtures in or whatever, how are you handling this within the customer says they have to be in, you know, cause we deal with this all the time with customers where they say, I need to be in by this date. You know, I got one guy that said, I got to be in at November 1st. Well, we're going to try and work with them to an extent. But in reality, I don't think it's going to be until November 6th because that extra week of walkthroughs and punch outs and cleaners being there is a big difference. So how do you deal with something like that? Well, it's it's really it's something that we have uh, have modified probably in the last two years, because, you know, by nature, when someone says this is what they want, uh, you try to do it. And we have moved people in prior to having that week to punch it. Uh, and it's never gone well. Mm-hmm. You know, even though the moment they move in, they understand that, they're even telling you they accept that it's going to be different. First of all, that one week of punch that you would have had is now five weeks of calls back. So we've kind of made that a hard and fast rule where we're not going to do that. From a scheduling standpoint, I said I told you we met with our we meet with our subcontractors quarterly. We're doing that to uh, to not only thank them for what they have done, but to forecast what we have coming up. Mm-hmm. And so again, because we've had the same subcontractors for so long, we have an idea of what their bandwidth is. And so even internally, we're having that conversation. The one thing we get to control is when we start a house. And so, you know, certainly, you know, the clients, as soon as the permit is ready or the loan is funded, that's their desire. But when we're able to explain that if we delay your house two weeks from the beginning, we're actually probably going to pick up time uh, as opposed to having to double stack subcontractors or whatever. The other thing that we've done is on all of our uh, uh, trades, so not, not our suppliers necessarily, but all of our trades, we have two of them. And so we're either splitting them up by geography because we, we build in the Portland metro area, which is larger. Um, so we're splitting them up by geography or by, uh, you know, different schedule types to make sure that we can hit it. So, you know, when we get behind, what do we do? We lean on the, conver- we lean on the relationship that we've had and we uh, let them understand the importance of it. And you can't cry wolf every time. But if you don't do it very often, generally, those people are going to bend over backwards for you. And once again, it comes down to, to very clear communication, both with the client as well as, as, well as with the, the vendor. The other thing that I think we've been able to do is I think when, you know, the thing with custom houses is we know that people are going to make changes. Mm-hmm. And I think that as builders, generally, well, I shouldn't say all, you know, some, some builders, and we were like this for a long time, we didn't do a great job of documenting these changes. Um, we've, we've definitely improved that to where now it's, a, it's an absolute need instead of a want. But all of the change orders that we have, um, the conversation is, uh, there are two things that are going to adjust here. One is the cost. It may go up or down depending on what you're choosing. And then the timeline. You know, I think we're, we oftentimes don't do that. We, we're quick to make sure we understand how the dollars need to flow, but we don't necessarily understand that, well, we just, you know, uh, we just added two days to the rough electrical because of all of the things you've added. You know, if we're telling them that then, yeah. It's a whole lot easier than at the end when we say, hey, remember four months ago when you made that decision? 
you know, so trying to communicate things as they happen. Well, communication right there, especially with, with the dreaded change order line, you know, that people hate to hear, but communication and, and setting the expectation of what's to come too is so key as well. I had a situation where, you know, there was a delay on electrical selections and so on. I had a customer where they could not pick or make a decision on where the electrical was going to go. Well, this delayed the project quite a a bit because she would not sign off and give the okay. Well, what customers don't understand, you know, especially down here is everything is a stepping stone towards the house being complete. So if we don't have the electrical roughs done, then we can't go on to the next process. So, you know, things got delayed and so on. And then we still got the question, are we going to close on the same date? Right. Well, you know, that takes, and and I always tell most of the time I'm the one that has to call our customers because I'm a pick up the phone guy rather than a type keyboard guy, because going through the phone, having a certain tone with customers too, and explaining things is a lot better than putting it in an email. Yes, written is good. We always yeah. follow up with a written email just to make sure we're covered. You know, I'll have my girl in the office. She'll type out, basically, I'll tell her what the discussion was. She'll type it out to clarify with the customer after I communicate with them. So it's always a paper trail, making sure you have that. But it's also, you know, the communication and how you go about communicating. So I told her, no, we're probably basically what I said to this, this client, certain client is, are we going to close on time? No. Am I going to try and close around that time? Yes. Is it going to be super delayed two months later? No, absolutely not. If we can close this still close to where you wanted it to close, we are going to do everything in our power to do that, but we're also not going to speed things up and and hurt the process or speed things up to where we make mistakes as well, because that's why you hired us. Mm -hmm. So, and after you explain these things, that's where they come and they understand and say, yeah, you're right. And so most, most people do. So it's just a lot of communication. That's the biggest thing as you know. Well, I think, and what we try to do when it comes to that is again, early we've established it. So each client that we have, we're meeting with them weekly. So they, they get to pick and choose the time, but it's the same every week. And so because of that, you know, whether they're in town or not, we have the same meeting. We go over the same things, even if it's internally, we're taking pictures and documenting what's happening in the process. But at that meeting, we're able to talk to them about Using your example, if you haven't made your electrical selections by X date, we're going to begin delaying the job. And, you know, that's why what we've chosen to do is our clients have picked out everything that's going to go into their house before we start. Now, we also understand they're going to change it, but then they're changing 5% of it. Those decisions are much, much easier than them having to go in and select all of their hard surfaces, you know, in the middle of the process. Our goal is uh, that, that, that that hard work and that emotional toll decision that they're having to make on those things isn't happening with the stress of a build. You know, our desire is to take the stress away from them, but we understand it's stressful for people. But my goal is that, you know, when they're coming to the house, they're busy imagining what it's going to be to live in it, not 
stressing out about which slab they want to have in the kitchen because they've done that. And that's, you know, it's why we've gone with working with interior designers. Every time we have designers that we've contracted with, they are, you know, a standard in what we do. And they take a lot of those overwhelming decisions and break them down mm-hmm. into bite-sized, uh, bite-sized opportunities for the client. Yeah. And that's, I love that too. That's what I'm trying to implement as much as possible is getting the designer involved right at the beginning because it's a world of difference. I mean, the designers could, you're going to have three eyes looking at that or actually four with the customers too, but you're going to have the builder, the designer and the architect all working together right at the beginning. And that's what I stress to people too, especially in a custom home to have three different sources working on it, giving their ideas, putting their heads together too. Your house is going to become a lot better. Mm-hmm. But you're also to have the interior designer at the beginning, get the process going, get that stress out of the way so you know what those selections are going to be. Obviously, you're going to run into some, okay, this tile was discontinued or that, you know, the how many times have you gotten that one, right? But, you know, then you, you can go and, all right, that's not the end of the world. Let's go find something similar, you know, that's still going to keep everything together in the process moving. Major, and, it, and it clears up a lot of the time, too, for those electrical walkthroughs where people aren't so much on, okay, this needs to go here. Why is it? It's just... It, it clears up more time to focus on the actual product on the build. And then those, those little, those, I won't say little things cause they obviously tie the house together. Those are already selected and the stress is already gone. Like you said, which is yeah. huge too. So, you know, that, uh, another, another thing too, I wanted to kind of brush on with you and you brought this up too. And it can be stressful as change orders. Mm-hmm. How, what's the best way you're, you're handling change orders with customers? Because a lot of people, when they do see change orders or an extra, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they cringe, you know, they don't want to, I'm extra for everything. This and they just hate hearing the word, but they don't understand going into the process unless it is cost plus, but then we still have budgets for that. You know, right. how do you handle this? Yeah, again, I, I think it comes to one, we try to, to, in the beginning, be having those conversations that change orders aren't bad. Mm-hmm. You know, we want you to be able to modify this home and make it yours. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, you know, we're blessed that when, you know, people like you and I look at a 2D set of plans, we can already envision what it looks like built. Most people can't if they haven't done it for a living. So as much as we try to explain it and understand it. I think most people, the fear of the change order is, wait a second, you told me the house was going to be whatever the budget was, and you're just using this as a, as a secondary uh, revenue source. Um, whether we're building a house cost plus or whether we're building a house with a fixed price, we do our change orders cost plus. So regardless, what they're able to see is the estimate that's coming from the subcontractor. And then once again, when we're creating that change order, um, and we've had this conversation with them before, you know, in our company, that change order is touching multiple hands. You know, it is the the project manager who's initially having the conversation with the, with the client. That's then going to the subcontractors. It's then touching our office staff to ensure that we're documenting it. There's a lot of hands that are involved in it. And so letting them understand the reason for, for the charge, and then with them understanding that, you know, 
we're, we're going to be, uh, from the very beginning, you know, when we bring up something that should change, it doesn't always mean there's a lot of things that we get done just because of the relationship with our vendors. Hey, let's move this window. Let's do that. Those don't have to have a charge. But, you know, when you're doing something that's going to be impacting multiple phases in the job, even if that's back in our own office, um, we need to make sure those clients value our time as much as we're valuing theirs, because it is really, as I said earlier, an intimate relationship. Everyone is bringing value to it. You know, we're bringing the value of what we do. Certainly we can't do it without our clients, but, but knowing that they need to recognize, like, like you had said before we got on this, that everybody has a value. Everybody who works on that job to include us as a builder, which at times we we tend to forget that when we start negotiating against ourselves, you know, because because we want to, you know, the idea of losing out on a job is is never good for our ego. And sadly, ego is a is a part of this industry, it seems. Yeah, that it's I mean, I'm still trying to every time I lose out on a job or I drive by a house that I I talk to that person or I still find myself driving by a project that we could, you know, we talk to that customer too. You still cringe, but you realize too, maybe we weren't meant for that customer. And we're also not going to kill ourselves to get that customer because what what we we actually talked about ha- giving yourself a value and explaining to the customer why you are more money and why you do cost more or why you are more of an investment mm-hmm. is your that's your that's your major sales pitch to to that customer because we're always going to have to go against builders that are less that are cheaper. You know that are gonna always come in cheaper. Always say, "Well, I can build the same product for a lot less, or I can beat them in time frame, or I can do this and that." You know, I've been dealing with it for years, and so have you. To where, you know, people are gonna build with you because they like what you present to them, and you know, us with our experience and our our reputation that we have, and and basically they buy you they buy the company and yeah. uh, me and you have talked about this too where i've i've actually said to people because i ask them who they're talking to i because a lot of some of the builders that i know I, i'm not going to stand a chance against i'm mm-hmm. bidding a job currently right now where i actually just blatantly asked them well who are you bidding you know and some builders are afraid to do that and they feel like they're stepping on toes and so on which i'm not I've learned to do that because there's so much time involved in the bidding process too. Absolutely. And your time's valuable. My time's valuable. The customer's time's valuable to where, you know, it takes a while to get bids, put it in, put it in, whether you use a spreadsheet or you're using a software program, list in detail what exactly the customer's getting. And there's every little step of the way. And I'm not going to waste time if I can't, if I know I can't compete, you know what I mean? So it's, it's getting, listening, doing all the stuff that you can, but selling them, giving them the proposition that why they should go with you over this other less expensive builder. is. Yeah, I think there's, so there's no doubt about it. And I think that's where the biggest thing that's helped us there is we're willing to have that difficult conversation, ask the question, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know there, there's a couple of other builders here that, that we compete with um, and they're great builders. You know, um, there, there's some certainly that, that you know, uh, we, we believe we're significantly superior to. But, you know, 
part of that is I will oftentimes call that other builder because it's a small industry. We know each other. And I'll say, hey, you know, where are you at on this? How much time and effort have you put into this? Because we're going to be similar in price. We're similar, uh, certainly in quality of house. I, of course, believe our experience is better. But, you know, why would I waste my time uh, doing that? And, and I'll be the first person to say to that that potential client, hey, I understand you're having this conversation. They're a great builder. Mm -hmm. If for some reason it doesn't fit for you or it doesn't feel right, we're right here. But for us to invest the 100 hours it's going to take to get you the type of detailed estimate that, that you deserve, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make sense for us to do that if, if at that point you're, you're going to just go the other direction. You know, I, I think that you know, the, the number, the, the cost on the house does have a huge part of the equation, but it is part of the equation. And I think that the most important part, the part about selling is not hiding your number or not, not wanting to share it, but wanting them to understand one, the effort that it takes to make that number right. And then two, uh, the amount of time and effort that it takes to do that. And as long as they understand that you're showing them the savings when you get it, negotiating hard on their behalf. And that's why for us, yeah, on cost plus, we don't do it cost plus a percentage. We do it cost plus a specific fee. We are going to pay us this much to build this house. And, and the reason being is years ago, we had a cost plus percentage client. Then his argument, even though it it wasn't what we did. It made sense. He said, why would you ever get me a better deal when you get a percentage of what I'm spending? Like you, you what you're negotiating against yourself. Now the answer is we were doing that anyway. Cause like I said earlier, the right thing is the right thing, but to take that, to elite, to take that fear away, then what we did is we said, okay, we can calculate it similarly, but then here's the fee that we're making. You know, if you, choose to, to uh, we, we budgeted Gen Air appliances and you decided to go with Wolf, as long as we knew at the same time, it doesn't take me any more work. So why do I deserve to make more money, especially in a day and age when everybody wants to shop for everything online? Mm -hmm. You know, that becomes its own challenge of, you know, well, I, we, you know, you know, builder pricing used to be, you know, significantly better than what a client could get. Now, all of a sudden, especially with commodity items that they believe are of the same quality, which you and I know is not the case oftentimes, um, if they believe we're marking up something that they could just get shipped to them, it, it doesn't feel good. And so a lot of it, again, coming back to that experience is making sure that through our transparency, through our, uh, through our, communication that they feel the right way during the process. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if the client feels like you're consistently rowing in the same direction of them, trying to make sure they're getting the house that they absolutely are in love with, I think that that's the huge benefit. And so taking out any hurdle against that has been our goal this entire time. And yeah. it changes. Yeah. No. And I've had that happen with us too, even with cost plus. I mean, I've had somebody say, Hey, can you cap your fee? 
you know, it's cost plus how's you know, I don't know how much I'm going to spend here or there. Would you be willing to cap your fee? We really want to build with you this and that. And we agreed to it because they capped it at a decent amount of money where we thought we deserved. And then also I've had where I've capped the fee on appliances, stuff like that, you know, and I hate to use the word fair, but it is, it's to be more fair to them, work with them. And, and, and cause they're like, well, you know, this customer, this specific customer was like, well, my wife, I don't know if she's going to, you know, you give me, let's say I gave him a $50,000 appliance estimate. Well, you give me this estimate of 50, what she's probably more than likely going to spend 70. I was like, yeah, that's a lot of money in appliances, but he's like, you see where I'm coming from. Why should I have to pay that? And I was like, no, we can cap it at a certain amount. That's fine with us on items like that. But when it comes to trim carpentry and stuff, the unknowns until we actually get into it, you know, cause I don't, unless I have a decorator's plan or whatever, I don't know what ceiling details, you know, you can show me a random thing off Pinterest while well, we can do it, but what's that going to cost? And especially with lumber up a hundred percent. So, you know, well, and I think doing it on a commodity, totally different, right? I mean, and you know, certain appliances are slightly more difficult to install than others, but you know, you were talking about trim and trim details. You can be talking about days or even a weeks of labor added, mm-hmm. which is taking additional management time from you and your team. It's taking all of these things. You know, you're backing, I would imagine, uh, you're, we are backing into the number that we need to make on a house based on the amount of time we anticipate that we're going to be investing in it, mm-hmm. which is why we have to hit our schedules. Because if we planned on X amount of months to build a house and we've, and we go longer, well, we're not making the money that we anticipated. Conversely, you know, I mean, there isn't a benefit for us rushing it to go faster because we've already already allocated that manpower and that time. So I think that, you know, again, I understand it from a commodity standpoint. The challenge that we run into at times is we we run into this a lot with light fixtures where people find this amazingly yeah. unique light fixture that they want. It's coming in normally from China, but it's not UL rated. So there's no way for me to legally warranty it, mm-hmm. um, but they really want it. And we've even had the clients that go, why don't we just put it in until we pass inspection and then, and then you can or, or put, put in a different fixture until we pass inspection. And I'm like, because I'm liable, this mm-hmm. is me wanting your fire life and safety is the most important thing to me. That's even more important than you being happy. So I'm not going to do something that is putting your family in danger uh, for your vanity. Um, so I think it's, I think it's an interesting thing as people are, are more able to, uh, to get an idea from the internet, the challenge is without having the experience to back it up, they're not asking the questions the other way. You know, we just recently had a client who said, hey, I got a window bid from this company, your window company was charging us more, and and the conversation, you know, was U values were different, glass thickness was different, you know, all of these different things that of course they didn't understand and know, that's not what they do for a living. Um, and when we were able to explain that, um, they were disappointed because they liked the other window quote, but they were able to understand the value proposition that we had created. So, Yeah. And I, I recently dealt with something with lighting too. And in how we handled it is you basically told the customer, yeah, we can accommodate you on the lighting as long as it's up to code and so on. But you have to tell us, 
let's first start out at our distributor. Let's go there, see if they have something like it or, or the same thing. If they don't have it, then we can go to the next yeah. spot and see if it's even, if we can even do it by code. If not, we can't warranty it because you're doing it yourself. You can hire somebody else separate. We're not going to be responsible for it. So explaining, like you said to people, I've had somebody that said, Hey, I, I know I got a friend, he's in appliances. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> to where, you know, I can get appliances for 50% off this and that I want to put in my own appliances. Okay, go ahead, but we're not going to warranty them. You know, if something goes wrong with your fridge, that's your responsibility. Uh, big one that I've gotten because everybody likes to go on Lowe's or Home Depot's site is faucets. Uh, I can get this faucet for, you know, that's, and, and I can get this faucet for this amount of money. But what they don't understand is who's going to warranty it. You yeah. know, it, it, Lowe's will, as long as it's the manufacturer's warranty or Home Depot will, but who's going to come and uninstall it, take the old one out. And then take it back to Lowe's, you get a new one or whatever parts you need. So that's what, when you explain these things and we go back to communication with the customer, when you actually explain, all right, this is why we go to our people and our subs install it, you know, then they're like, yeah, if I do have a problem, I don't want to deal with uninstalling right. that faucet or putting in that light fixture, or taking it down, you know, cause we're, it's, it's part of our process too. So that was that was a key thing. I actually, another thing too, is I recently had a, a customer where he wanted us to build a house, a big house too. And he sent me a spreadsheet of a whole entire list of owner supplied stuff. <laughs> and what though, and then another side of the list was the owner installed and then GC installed. So going through this, I was kind of like, basically you want to just use our license, you know, right. because we're doing, the concrete work and the other uh, labor intensive stuff. And then you're doing all the small stuff yourself. Right. Well, this, this specific place where, where I'm talking about does not allow owner builders. So, you know, I started thinking about that and I said, absolutely not. We're not willing. And he's like, well, what to, to what extent can I supply? And I said, none, you have yep. to use our distributors, our people. Well, can I pick my own sub? No. Because then we're going back to that yeah. whole thing. So you, I mean, you deal with it. It's it's a common thing. It's just explaining that situation better is what it's all about, too. Well, I think that's where we talk about feeling. Like when I said the first meeting is a coffee date. It's it's just as yeah. much us making sure we want to work with them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we've all had those difficult clients that we took because we thought they were going to make us money or we thought the house was really cool. And next thing you know, we're not having the experience we want. I mean, I love what I do. I mean, I genuinely enjoy it. You know, it was just Labor Day weekend. On Saturday, my daughters and I went and walked through two houses, cleaned them out. And there wasn't much to do. They walk around with little magnets, picking up nails for a penny a piece and I'm like, that's what I had to do. So I don't think I even made a penny a piece at the time, but you know, I think, it, you know, but wanting, uh, you know, I love that experience and I, and I, if I'm not enjoying my job and that doesn't mean there's not stressful days and challenges. And, and, you know, part of that is, you know, we get to put our cape on and fix it every once in a while. And that's pretty cool. But, um, yeah, we want to make sure we're working with the people that we want to. You know, I tell everybody, you know, the first time you see me yell at somebody, you can yell at them. The first time you see me be disrespectful, you go ahead. But that's not going to happen. 
you know? I mean, I'm sure there's times I'm grumpier than normal, but everybody who works for us knows how valuable they are, how important they are, how much I appreciate them. Um, and that's, to me, the most magical part about it. Mm-hmm. And, and with that being said, too, there's obviously, and we brushed on this earlier, is the key factor to having all of your employees on the same page, too. So you and and you're you're not everybody's going to have the same passion as you. I've said this I've said this before too. If I could clone myself, it'd probably be the perfect company because everybody would be so passionate about the product that nobody would want anything to, you know, there's how are you getting your employees to have that same belief into the business as you are and your subcontractors because with so many different pieces that's one of the hardest things to do and it's hard to perfect. Yes. You're used to working with similar subs and so on, but obviously they hire new crews and guys and you have to be responsible for that too, as you walk through and manage and so on. So how are you bringing all these people together to have that same passion? Well, I don't expect them to have the same passion as me. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, if they did, they'd be in business for themselves. You know, yeah. so so I uh, my conversation with all of our employees is that family is always first. Uh, I recognize that, um, and and we're going to to make sure we do that. But I think that you know from from early on, I think you know people have said to me in the past, there's three ways you can show employees respect. One is how much you pay them. Two is the title you give them, and three is the amount of responsibility you give them. And I always said, call me the janitor, pay me a whole bunch of money and let me be in charge of everything. Um, finding out what motivates each individual employee, having relationships with them. And by the way, the exact same thing with the subcontractors. I think it's important um, for my project managers to get to know uh, who's working on their job. Um, that's why, as best we can, we're requesting the same crews. You know, that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not a huge builder. So because of that, I mean, I've ran very large production building companies. That was different. You know, we were working with a subcontractor base of a much larger company. You know, in this case, we're talking about, you know, plumbing companies that have three or four crews. We get to know all of those people. Um, and so because of that, you know, it's not uh, this company working with Anlon. It's they're working with Mike or with Scott or with Robin mm. or, you know, the members of our team um, that, that become important. And so inside of that, it's, you know, them continuing to understand what the mission and the passion is of what we do, them uh, signing in for the ownership of the part of the process that is theirs. Um, And then I think it's important that, you know, I I make it a mission uh, every week. I have a list I call two subcontractors and tell them what they're doing really well. Um, I think we're very quick to criticize. I think we're very quick to notice when someone does something wrong. And mm-hmm. part of that is generally because we're embarrassed or because our, you know, we, we don't like it, but we're not as quick um, and probably society in general, but certainly in the industry to just call someone up and say, you know what, your guys have been abs- you know, absolutely killing it. I want you to know that. Um, I want you to realize that we appreciate you and we appreciate what your guys are doing. Um, and, and I think that I didn't realize how big of a value that had. Um, 
but you know, I've heard so much feedback on it. I started doing that about a year and a half ago. Um, to where like literally I would call up and I would say, Hey, you know, subcontractor, I wanted to let you know, I noticed this, you guys are doing great. And you'd finish up talking to them for 30 seconds and then they'd be like, okay, yeah, but, but, but what did you want to call about? What's wrong? I'm like, nothing, you know? And I think that we oftentimes, uh, are, are giving with an agenda or people are thinking, um, you know, that we want or need something from them that we don't. And so I think it's important for them to realize that the, the relationship is that important. And so getting people to buy in with that. And then, like I said, realizing everyone's motivated differently. You know, for some people, it's time off. For some people, it is money. For some people, it is, you know, wanting to, to have more ownership in what they're doing. Um, and I just think that, that that's the key, you know. And by the way, we, we've struggled with it, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, my desire and my goal with my construction side of the team, as I've said, I want to teach you as much as I can and everything that I know so you have the ability to go do it on your own. Um, now, if I'm doing my job perfectly, I'm also compensating you so well, both financially, emotionally, all of those things that you don't want to leave. But we've had a couple of guys leave. And as much as I didn't like it, I was really honored by the fact that I did what I said I would do, mm -hmm. um, which was which was be able to, to not hide things from them. I'm very transparent and open with my employees as well. Um, but I've also learned that not everybody wants that. You know, that the, there's some people that want to punch a clock and be done. Um, now, those people, there's a ceiling to how far they can go, but that doesn't mean they don't have a value. And then there's the people that, again, I mean, I have a, I have a guy who works for us who, you know, he just doesn't want to own his own business. He's an amazing lieutenant. He can do everything I need him to do. Um, and that's awesome. The big thing with him is ensuring that I don't take advantage of that. I don't. I don't have him, I have to tell him when not to work. I have to ensure that I'm sending him away, sending him for time on vacation, because if not, he, he'll grind and he loves it, but that's unique, you know? Mm -hmm. So figuring out what everybody needs individually. And then, you know, then the answer is when it doesn't fit, you have to make that change right away. Mm -hmm. No, I, I absolutely love that. And I'm, I, fall guilty to that as well too is what you said about the subcontractors and actually calling them up and saying hey you guys are doing great work I, we love what you're doing thank you you're doing an awesome job on the houses i mean we find ourselves guilty and not doing something like that because you don't really think about it you're you call them up asking them constantly hey can you get me this hey can you do this hey can you have this guy here hey this is wrong or this needs to be fixed it's never the opposite so you know it's probably a shocking moment when you probably did start doing that and it for them and i'm that's something i'm going to start doing as well and even even your employees in house too like i've been guilty of it i do it more you know it, it, and it, i need to do it even more is just just appreciate the stuff that they are doing you know more often than not because you know, you're constantly in a business environment where you're constantly on your feet, you're, you're talking to customers, you're dealing with every single little thing. It's almost like it goes to the back of your mind to actually thank them because they're taking a ton of other stuff off of your plate too. Sure. That's why they're there. That's why they're in those positions too. 
And, you know, not everybody brushing on your guy that works for you. Yeah, not everybody's meant to be a boss. Not everybody's meant to own a business. But you do have good employees that want to serve your business and be there. And they are good at a lot of things that you aren't or I'm not, that they fill those those voids too. And, and they're fine with it. But you mm-hmm. have to also show that appreciation towards them like you, you do yourself with actually telling your guy to take a vacation you deserve it or so on you know so what you said right there i love it that's that's huge big time um you know another thing i kind of wanted to brush on with you too is is and i and i've talked to about this with a lot of my past guests a lot of builders too is customer service obviously you know, we all have warranty as builders. We all, you know, during the build, the customer service is key, but even after the build. So how are you handling your customer service in the best way? How are you dealing with people in the long term? You know, are you keeping that relationship long term? Because a lot of builders fall short in that. You know, it's in a lot of sales in general. They kind of sell the product. And I've had a lot of realtors on my show where they sell a house and they never talk to the people again. Sure. You know, so how are you handling that more, the customer service angle long term? So we do a few things. Um, One, uh, you know, on the paperwork side, we have our clients signing up for a 210 warranty. Uh, so it's an aftermarket product where, uh, you know, the larger parts of their house and the mechanics, mechanics of how it works are warrantied beyond the warranty that's required from us, right? So the state of Oregon requires us and Washington requires us to have a one-year warranty on the house, but really the statute of repose is 10 years. So uh, we're doing a couple things. I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that people sue companies, not people. And so again, that relationship is very important. The other thing is I have just repeated to our company over and over and over again that warranty is our first layer of marketing. And so when we move in and we're doing the punch list, we've handled all of that, assuming we're not moving them in early, which we're not doing anymore. uh, They know that uh, there's going to be things that they notice when they move in that they didn't notice. Our request is that they move in for two months so that way they can enjoy the house. And again, fire life and safety is different. But in two months, and we know what it's going to be. We know there's going to be this crack. There's going to be this door that needs Mm -hmm. to adjust. So the vendors that we work with, they know what's coming. So within two months, we're doing that. The other thing that we're doing is at one year, we send a birthday card to the house. So instead of hiding from the one-year warranty and the punch and the walkthrough and the idea that we're going to deal with the settling and the cracks and all of those things, which we know is going to happen, uh, we don't hide from it. We don't, we don't say, wait, it's been 14 months. Sorry, you missed out. We want them to be a part of it. Um, the re- there's a couple of selfish reasons we do that. At two months, it's a very logical time if those people haven't given us a review to in the time that we're coming out to do that, to request a review. The other thing is that one year, once again, um, when you're asking them to tell you what's wrong with the house and you're again, over communicating, it's a whole lot easier than when they've had, you know, all this time and they now think you're ignoring them, you know? So I think it's important. So we, again, have tried to celebrate those times um, with uh, the, the birthday card to the house. Cause it's always funny because they get a birthday card, don't know what it is. <laughs> um, and for us, because they're custom houses, they're, they're 
last name is normally on the plans. So we're able to reference the plan name uh, as the as the person getting the birthday card. So, um, you know, kind of things like that and, and having some fun with some of those difficult things. Because once again, um, that's the way to make it something that people aren't afraid of. You know, so having those conversations up front, they know what to expect. Um, and really treating warranty as the first level of, of marketing, I think, is a, is a, was a huge shift for us. So, so within that too, you literally don't have anybody after that final walkthrough within two months. So you give that two months is kind of them settling in and then, then two months later, then you go in. Is that how you work? work yep. so, so we will have done the punch and kind of gone through done. The, you know, we will have done our walkthrough. We will have, you know, had them do the same thing, blue taped it and whatever they wanted to do. And then, you know, part of the turnover meeting for us, handing them the keys, having them sign the acceptance of the house, et cetera. You know, one, we're always giving them a gift at that point. Generally, there's there's something, and we try to make that personal, right? We give them something with the company's name on it to brand ourselves in market. But then we've gotten to know them over that time. So if they're people that, you know, like wine or if they're people that like golf or, you know, whatever it is, we've tried to personalize that some. And then, um, and then again, you know, rec- letting them recognize that we're going to come back in two months. Now, if there's something really wrong, absolutely bring us back, you know, give us a call. You have our warranty process. That's not an issue. But if what you're dealing with is some grout cracking or, you know, all of these things that we know are going to happen because of settling instead of, instead of that becoming an emergency where we come in and fix one and Oh, guess what? The house, the moisture content dried a little bit more. And here we are a week later. If they know we're coming back after that time, um, it takes away the angst and the concern. And so, you know, we do our best to stay out of the house for that time. Gotcha. And so how do you deal with, let's say, you know, the customer that uh, moves all their furniture in and dings up all the walls and then says that was there before? I mean, how do you deal with somebody doing that? Do you just take care of it? Do you say, well, that wasn't there. We have proved that wasn't there during the, you know, when we did our walkthrough prior to you taking possession, how do you deal with somebody like that? Because we've all dealt with it. Uh, you know, some builders probably deal with it different than others. I, I know with us personally, you know, they really messed something up and it was, it was not our fault. You know, we're going to say, come on now, you know, that's not really, but if there's minor stuff that we got to tell personally, just do it myself with the paintbrush, you know, mm-hmm. through that extent. So how do you deal with it? I think it's similar. I, th- I think that, you know, uh, whether whether we want to admit it or not, however, the relationship was in the build probably has something to do. With it. <laughs> you know, we all have those clients that we just want to bend over backwards for because they become good friends or they we just had a great experience. Um, you know, and, and the answer, you know, at that point, it's kind of a conversation like, come on, man. I mean, I'm happy to fix it, but we, we all know that wasn't there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we're looking at it again from from the from the thought of it being the first level of marketing if it's something that my subcontractors would be including in the warranty that they're giving us okay you know if we have something where again there's a hole in the wall and we're bringing back a drywaller to patch it and then bringing back the painter we're going to have a different conversation mm-hmm. and then becomes kind of that internal question of okay was that 175 bucks, 250 bucks. Is that, is that worth it? Um, you know, what I've learned is that 
throwing money at a problem does not solve it. Very, very rarely is it about that. Uh, nine times out of 10, it's about the feeling of them being valued. And so that becomes the question, you know, if we've, if we've created the relationship that has a strong enough value proposition from the beginning, uh, those, those people are normally not going to do that. But mm-hmm. I would love to tell you we don't just give in, but I tend to just give in. Yeah, yeah, no, and I agree with you. Just it, a lot of it's customer factor, how much the relationship and everything throughout the build too, and and uh, you know I, I'll admit that as well. It's just, but there is a lot of given. But if it is something with us too, to where it's like, come on, you know that definitely wasn't there. That was definitely from your mover. You yeah. know, it's just there comes certain situations that we have to learn to deal with, you know, and deal with it the right way as builders, too. Because once Absolutely. again, I'll reflect on that as a lot of other builders are not a lot of them, but some would just say, well, it is what it is, you know, and do we want to be that one? No, but we also have to kind of stand our ground in a lot of ways, too, because people will take advantage of you. They'll feel you out. There's people out there, unfortunately, that are like that. They'll feel out how much give and take there really is. And then, They'll keep going for it. So I think that that's one of the challenges, right? Is that in, you know, the, one of the things that I didn't used to do as well as I do now was we would give something away and then not, not even tell the client that we gave it away. So mm-hmm. um, at the end, we're sitting there saying, you know, how can they not realize that we did this, this and that for them? Um, when now the goal is to tell them, not not yeah. necessarily for any other reason than like you said, when you save that guy the money on the painting estimate is just for him to have one more one more positive feeling of everything you guys are doing for them. You know, because at the end when you try to go, wait a second, I did these nine things, that's not the way to do it. You know, the goal no different than any other relationship is to continue to bring value every time. It doesn't do any good to bring your wife nine things of flowers at one time. If you've never done it forever, she's going to, you know, so doing things along the way and yeah. showing them that I think is so important. Yeah, that's huge. Cause I've had that multiple times where it's give and take and basically, you know, I would be, I'd meet the customer on the job site, hear their complain about, well, why should I pay for it? Why should I have to pay for this? And then, you know, it was a little give and take. All right, how about mm-hmm. I cover this and you cover that? And then we'll meet in the middle and so on. And if what you work with people, usually they're happy. You know, they're not just going to sit there and be like, well, this is ridiculous. And people like that. They like, but you let them, you let them know, hey, I'm going to take care of you on this. You know, mm-hmm. this time I, I, I get it. I understand it. You explain it, the reasoning behind it and went back to, overall communication factor which is the biggest thing in this business and then you go you move on with the rest of the build and you don't hold it over their head you know you don't put it on a list like you said of the top 10 things that i took care of for you so you know i think that does become important you know when you have a challenge and we've had them you know it's like our desire is to this is the solution that we've all agreed to and now we move on you know, mm-hmm. I mean, no different than any no different than a, a friendship. When you forgive someone, you don't get to forgive them and then bring it up every time you're frustrated, you know? So them under, again, it comes down to each of you valuing each other. You know, I don't bring up to my framer. You remember 14 houses ago when you screwed up that? I mean, it just, it's not, it's not the relationship I want to have anywhere in my life. So, 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mike, this has been awesome too. I, 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 I want to get into, you know, me and you can probably talk forever on all this stuff too. We can go on for another three hours, but I want to get into, I've been asking this question to everybody, getting to you a little bit more on a personal level. So obviously you've built an amazing company over the years and, and you continue to grow and you continue to get better. So what lessons have you learned throughout your journey that we should all apply to our own businesses and lives that can help us grow? Deep question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a deep question. You know, I think one of the advantages, uh, I started building when I was 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when, when you're young and you're building, uh, when you're young and you're running anything, you, you don't get to, you manage by collaboration, you know, as opposed to saying you will do this because I'm the boss. You know, I was managing 45 year old plumbers and 60 year old plumbers that were going to say, shut up kid, you know? Um, so from a very young time in the business, it has always been about collaboration for me and wanting to, uh, a, a wise uh, man said to me when I was in the army, the difference between a good leader and a great leader is a good leader can make anyone do anything he wants them to do, but a great leader can make anyone want to do anything he wants them to do. And, and that's a subtle change, but that's where that relationship comes with the subcontractors and the, uh, and the clients and the vendors. So I think one, uh, figuring out how to collaborate with everybody who's involved in your projects. And then I think the second thing is uh, finding mentors inside and outside of your own industry. Um, You know, I think that part of my advantage with starting as young as I did was I wasn't a threat to anybody. You know, I was, I was a 24 year old kid building houses or a 28 year old kid building houses or a 32 year old kid. Well, um, you know, being able to to really have uh, a conversation at depth with with people, and I think that I'm now at that time where you know there are people coming to me and asking me to meet, and it's funny. I, I remember my mentor saying, "I don't know why you want to meet with me. I don't see what kind of value I bring to you. I learn more from you." And and I'm busy saying that to these younger guys that are coming to me for advice. And I think that you know having uh, the humility to ask others for help or to ask Mm -hmm. others for advice. I mean, you know, the first time we talked, I like to hear what is your process? How do you do it? What is it that you do that I can learn? Um, And I just think that if I had, that would be my advice to anybody that was going into any business endeavor, whether that's an employee or whether that is a, uh, whether that is as an owner, I think it's really, really important. Yeah, it's all about, I love your answer because I mean, it's, it's all about being open-minded too. And and like me and you first talking and communicating and hearing your process and hearing what you got going on too was big to me. And just having you on this, that's why I wanted you on this podcast too, because that's why I like this, like, you know, doing a podcast because I learned so much for each and every guest on my show too. And it's an open, my, it's an open way to communicate and have a full on discussion and actually take, that time out of somebody's day too, because it is blocked in to where, you know, I can have the conversation that maybe me and you couldn't have on the phone because we're both, you know, on our toes every two seconds with people calling and texting. So it's, it's literally is. And I love your answer about being open and listening to people too, because not a lot of people are willing to do that or admit, you know, or just, or just reach out and try that because they're afraid. 
They're afraid what people are going to think. They're afraid of somebody else's opinion. But most of the time, a lot of people are willing to help, you know, whatever way they can. There's a lot of nice people out in this world, believe it or not, from what you see on the media. uh, There are a lot of good people out there that just want to help. They want to better their lives. They want to get better personally. And and, I mean, that's, I mean, me and you meeting through Arte, that's what Arte is about too. So, you know. I think that's the thing is that, you know, we use the term self-made a lot. I don't, I don't know anybody that's self-made. I mean, mm. I think that, yes, they have the passion, but at the end of it, it's getting advice, opinions, thoughts, learning from people. Like you've said, in, in Arte, there's people that are in completely different industries where the question is, hmm, does that, does that transfer? I mean, it, and so I think that that's, you know, the, the, the really important thing is to be able to identify your own strengths, your own weaknesses, and then kind of see what other people are doing. You know, I mean, I have, there's a, you know, I was talking about our competitors. Um, there's, there's one of them that is, is a dear friend. We get together every couple of months and chat about where he's having success and where, where I'm having success. And, and because of that, we have a healthy respect for each other. We don't really bid against each other. Um, and, and that's because as I, as I alluded to earlier, he, he builds a great house. And so I do believe there's enough out there. I do mm-hmm. think that that's important. And, and I think that, you know, business in general is about learning, uh, learning from other people. I mean, probably like you, I read other business books. I read things that, you know, aren't industry specific because there isn't a whole lot of books about the construction industry. <laughs> um, we're not as sexy as some of those other industries. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's huge. Yeah, there's not many books either that can teach you this business full on, like personal experience too. And that's a whole nother topic as well. (laughs) So no, I love that. I love your last answer, everything about it. So one thing I've been asking everybody too, uh, is most people, obviously I've asked about your past. I'd love to hear about your future. So where where will we see Mike Harn in the future? Who will you be 10, 15 years from now? Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting, you know, uh, you, that's the one question you'd kind of alluded to, and, and I have put thought into it, and I still don't have a great answer. You know, I think that, uh, you know, Mike with Anlon Construction, I think we'll continue to build custom houses and develop land. Uh, I would imagine in the next 10 to 15 years, I will be stepping back from certain roles that we have. We're now, uh, you know, the team that we're developing, I have so much trust in. And part of the fear when you're owning a business is what you let go of. Um, and so, you know, we're exploring uh, different things that I'm I'm giving people full control of, where in the past, you'd give them just a little bit of rope. Um, I would imagine, uh, you know, my desire is to do something uh, in uh, another industry. And then we're also looking at kind of parallel things we can do in this industry, Um, whether that is, you know, because at, at this point, we are blessed enough to be able to work through multiple economies. But inevitably, wanting to have some level of fluidity or some level of flexibility when and if uh, the market turns and changes. So I would imagine you would see, you know, Anlon probably building, we're we're right now building 12 to 15, you know, large customs a year. We would probably get up to about 30, no more than that. Um, I say that today. Um, You know, we'll continue to to develop land. I'll probably be doing some more development to internally keep some apartments. You know, my desire for, for long term for my family is to is to continue to grow our rental pool. Um, 
you know, and then it will be figuring out, you know, what, what other passions I have that I can give back to, you know, I, I am a huge proponent, you know, being a veteran, I, I am very active in some of the veterans communities here. Uh, our home builders association has uh, the home builders foundation, which is the charitable arm of that. We do uh, transitional housing for homeless. I'll, I'll continue to be active and probably more active in that. And then, you know, I mean, I've got a four and a six year old as they get older, they're hopefully going to be traveling, doing some great things. And I'll be, I'll be chasing along with them. Awesome. Mike, love it. Love it. And I love, I can't wait to see you in the future. Cause I guarantee you're going to be doing all those things. I have no doubt about it after listening the other day too. Last question for you. This is what this show's all about. What exactly do people need to look for when building a new home and why should they choose Mike Harn as their builder of choice? You know, I think that, that it, as I, as I've kind of said throughout this, it's an intimate relationship. It comes down to uh, whoever you're choosing to build with uh, them, understanding what you want, their communication style being something that works for you. And I think that, you know, the one thing that I've noticed, I don't script anything we do, you know, I mean, you'd sent me uh, some questions here. I briefly read through it and I'm just a proponent of, if you're telling the truth, you do not have to have a good memory, you know, because it, it's, it's just what comes out. And I think you can read that from people. I think you can understand it. I think, you know, we're very active on our social media of trying to share just kind of what is about the building process. I know you're doing that as well, just kind of helping people understand the building science behind what we do, um, because there are those people that want to know that. There are some people that, you know, blindly trust us. Those are almost the hardest clients because they are putting it all on your shoulders. The clients that ask questions, because we know the answers, those aren't intimidating. And so, you know, being, you know, I, I would say, uh, you know, do your best in, in one of your early, early meetings with your builder to make them uncomfortable, but not about price, because that's what everyone tries. Instead, asking them something that you think they might not know the answer to, because, you know, their desire should be uh, to ensure that you are just getting the absolute home of your dreams. And so I think having that conversation early would be a would be a really important thing. Yeah, no, I love that. Coming up with a, a question too, and a asking the hard questions, you know, that most people aren't going to ask because everybody is their first question 90% of the time is square foot price. Yeah. So, you know, and, and like you said, you're showcasing how your houses are built from the ground up. I just started doing that too. And I've had some people say, you sure you want to do that, you know, and give away your secrets or whatever. I mean, nobody's going to do it like you. That's the thing. I mean, you, you, Build the way you build. You are who you are. I mean, no, everybody's going to be different. Uh, builder A is going to be different than Builder B for a specific reason. But they're not going to have the same passion that I do behind my product and how we deliver it and so on. So, I mean, me showcasing how we're doing things or how me and my brother are doing things and going about the business, I want to do it. I want people to see that because when people see that, the people that are going to want to work with me are going to see it on a, on, you know, on social media somewhere. And they're going to be like, I really like him. And I really like how he's doing the process. That's mm -hmm. going to save a lot of time right there, you know, and, and a lot of interview time and going around because they're going to go to me because they like me. And I already have that happening. That's the power of video, you know? It so it's, it's, it's a must do. And I, I love that you're doing it too. Uh, I mean, you spoke about that, but this is Mike, this has been awesome. 
I really appreciate your time today. The last thing I want to, uh, where can people find you and connect with you? Uh, so you can find us online. Our website is uh, anlonconstruction.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. You know, I mean, we're not doing as much on Snapchat. Most of <laughs> clients aren't there. Yeah, but, I'm guilty. You know, yeah, if you can find us on on uh, any of the social media platforms, we'd uh, we'd love to interact with you. So, and by the way, thank you so much for having me be here. It's it's a ton of fun just to talk shop, but uh, to be able to learn from someone who who's grown up in this industry just like I have has been uh, has been awesome. So, thank you so much. No, it's I appreciate you coming on too. I was excited to have you on after the, me and you first spoke. I was like, I got to have him on this podcast so we can. And continue our conversation like i said i can we can go on another couple hours i got a one thing i want to do because i did it at the beginning of this podcast is more of a panel discussion so i want to bring back on a couple of the other builders i've had on too where we kind of do a four-way discussion uh, i've been meaning yeah i've been meaning to do that so i'll definitely have you on again uh with the, with that panel discussion coming up just got to get everybody in the in a zoom call all at the same time in this crazy industry right now. So, but no, Mike, yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time and taking the time to come on. And as always, thank you everybody for listening, like subscribe, five star, write a review. It only takes two minutes and I will see you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the real build and guys, If you would just take a little bit of your time to write a review below, I'd really appreciate it. It doesn't take long. Obviously, reviews are going to make this show be heard by more people, and that's what we need. We need to get this out there. So please, write a review, share it with your friends and family, and thank you so much for everybody that's listening, and I'll see you guys on the next episode.